Yeah, it's like I'd walk again, and I had hope for life. I understood why I was there. And I understood I've always been a guy with big goals. And as soon as I knew that and I had hope for life again, I thought, this is great. Look how it has helped me. And I immediately told Kim I wanted to start another foundation. I started several nonprofit foundations. But this one is my most important one because it's helping people who are desperate for this help. And I wanted to provide similar programs and services that got me to where I was to others who need it. I'm Jamie Mo Crazy, and you're listening to Life Gets Mo Crazy where we'll hear from people who either been through a trauma or helped someone else through it. Listen and learn strategies you can implement in your life so when a metaphorical avalanche slides you down the mountain of life, you can climb an alternative peak with the best view. I am here today with Kim and Chris Lieberman, who had a brain injury, Chris did, and it's built the Brain Injury Recovery Foundation, which is so exciting because I'm going to get to be a keynote speaker for them in a couple of weeks in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So I'm interviewing them to find out more details about the event and how you can get involved. So hi, Kim and Chris. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jamie. It's so good to see you. Hi, Jamie. Thank you so much for having us on today. Thank you so much for coming. And so last week, it was my grandfather's 95th birthday, 95. And my grandfather lives in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So I told Kim and Chris that I was coming out to Tulsa and I got to meet them and do some media advertising for the event. So I haven't seen you guys in a couple of days. Hasn't been that long. (laughs) (laughs) It was so awesome to have you here in our hometown and we're so excited to have you back in just three weeks for our event shining the light on brain injuries so i'd like to start out by talking about chris when did your life change in the blink of an eye take us through that journey well i was helping some of the directors at the route 66 marathon who wanted to buy some of my stuff borrowed some of my stuff that I had at the warehouse. So I got off a ladder, which I shouldn't know, got on a ladder. And the last thing I know is I fell. And I don't remember a whole lot after that. I remember I didn't want to go in. I, they got me in the ambulance. And I told everybody, I don't want to go to the hospital. I'm just tired. I want to go home. They had to call Kim. And Kim told me, I really didn't have a choice. That's right. (laughs) And, you know, she went on from that point to save my life because if she wouldn't have gotten me to go, I wouldn't even have made it to the hospital, they said. So you are still functioning. You You are talking to people. And what was happening to your brain at that time? Well, I just know I was laying in the, uh, ambulance and the fire department's the one who brought the ambulance and I remember talking on the phone and I remember them giving me shots which I hate 
And the last thing I remember is being in the operating room. So I can't give a lot of details, but that's pretty much it from that morning. That's the thing about these, Jamie. And you know this because you've been through it. You never know they're coming. You don't plan for something like this in your life. It just happens immediately and your life is changed forever. That is what's so scary about it. So, Jamie, what we didn't know at that time when Chris called me stating that he wanted to go home and take a nap is that, you know, he had hit the back of the right side of his head. So he had some whiplash on his brain. So some bleeding there. And then he had what's called contracoup. So inside your brain whiplashes against your skull. And so he had bleeding on the opposite side as well. So pretty much surrounding most of his brain, he had blood that was starting to bleed and then really just starting to swell that we didn't know it was happening. So we're so thankful he was able to get to the hospital right away because that's something that you can't see. And we, we didn't know he just would have went home and taken a nap and probably not woken up. That's so scary. And as you brought up, you couldn't see his injuries at the beginning. For, for me, I went straight into a coma. I was convulsing, spewing blood. So you could see that. However, as we've both discussed, with a brain injury, sometimes from the beginning, it's an invisible injury. And it always becomes an invisible injury before you're finished healing. So one of the things we talk about is it changes your life instantly and then the care goes away and it disappears and the connections disappear and you still have to go through years of healing to keep climbing your alternative peak and it's quite often invisible struggles that only you and maybe your caregiver knows about. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, we really had the impression and maybe this is just how naive I am or the family was about brain injuries. Like Chris was talking to us right before the surgery. The doctor tells us he's going to take Chris's skull off, which that was a shock and relieve the pressure. I thought maybe like in the movies, they drill a hole or something. Even that's pretty invasive, but it seemed worse at the time than taking his skull off. And I really just thought, okay, Chris is going to wake up. And when he wakes up, his skull is going to be off and he's going to be fine because he's talking to us now. And that wasn't the reality. I mean, Chris actually went into, you know, partially medically induced coma, but he was in a coma for a few weeks. And then after that, Chris was just kind of there. He wasn't responsive. He wasn't able to follow commands, to look at us, to, I mean, we didn't really know if he was even in there. And I didn't know if Chris would know who I was or who the kids were. And, and it's such a scary time because you really have no clue at that point, like, is Chris even there? I see his body, but is Chris there, you know? Yeah, that definitely happened to my family. And as you were with Chris, it affected you so strongly because I know for Jeannie and my mom, they they remember the whole experience. So you remember not knowing if Chris was there and they remember not knowing if Jamie would ever be able to do anything, say anything, you know? And so that's a trauma for the caregivers. And it's quite often overlooked. Like people like Chris and I get all the attention to it and 
people like Kim and Jeannie and my mom and the rest of my family deserve a lot of credit for being able to put up with us. Right, Chris? They got credit for putting up with us. Oh, yeah, they do. All right. They deserve it. I give her a hard time, though, but yeah, they deserve it. I'm probably not that easy to live with. But she saved my life, so now she has to put up with it. <laughs> yeah, nothing's changed, Jamie. He was already that way. But that's part of why I love him, so it was worth it. Yeah. Yep, you always love it. And so that gave birth to the Brain Injury Recovery Foundation because, from what I understand, Chris had to go out of state to receive a lot of his treatments. So... Tell me a little bit more about that. Well, I survived and I was grateful of that, but I was home, but I was not able to make any significant progress, if any at all, in Tulsa. And I all I could think is, why did I survive? I don't want to live like this. I'm not that kind of guy to lay in bed all day and need somebody to drag me off to the restroom or whatever. Um, and I think Kim and my girls kind of figure that out. And they, my daughter who lives in Dallas, found a place, an activity-based recovery place in Dallas, and got me to go check it out. And I knew immediately that they knew my problems. I could just tell by what they were asking. Of all the other therapists I'd seen locally, I don't even know if they asked me questions. They are just like, try this, you know. And, but there, they do the right questions to ask and understood. People, I mean, activity-based recovery is the key to recovery. It's the only way to recover from a brain or spinal cord injury, if that's your goal. Because they have the equipment and the training and the right personality to get you where you need to go. Anyway, so it did not take me that long once I started going there to not need my wheelchair or cane again. That's so exciting. So very quickly after you started going to activity-based therapy, you started walking again? Yes, I could walk again, and I had hope for life. I understood why I was there. And I understood I've always been a guy with big goals. And as soon as I knew that and I had hope for life again, I thought, this is great. Look how it has helped me. And I immediately told Kim I wanted to start another foundation. I started several nonprofit foundations, but this one is my most important one because it's helping people who are desperate for this help. And I wanted to provide similar programs and services that got me to where I was to others who need it. Wow, that's a very important thing because I know how important my therapy was, my activity-based therapy, going outdoors, being active. I, I had so much therapy, and I was fortunate to live in Park City, Utah, which is a very active community, and they have some of the best neuro doctors and therapists in care in the U.S. Um, actually, when we were leaving Vancouver, my older sister is a doctor. So she asked all of her doctor pals, like, where's the best place for neuro? And there's a couple of them. And Salt Lake City was one of them. So I had so much 
opportunity. And that's something that I think is so huge because if you want to design a life that you want to be living, you need to have the opportunity and support to be able to do it, which is what Brain Injury Recovery Foundation is going to be creating. Yeah, that's correct, Jamie. And I think it's important to point out when Chris was stating that um, it took him a while to recover. So what he's referencing is he he skipped a big part of his recovery. That was year three and a half. So that was three and a half years into his recovery. Um, not that being in a wheelchair is the end of your life or anything like that. But look, if you take in perspective that Chris was a marathoner, not only was he a runner and a marathoner, but he also founded a marathon. So for him, running and the running industry was his life. And to not be able to be a part of that was was a huge, you know, hardship for him. And so he was more determined than ever to get out of his wheelchair and take those first steps because we know, you know, it's like you say, climbing a peak. And in our world, it was like this journey is a marathon because it takes so long and it keeps going and going. And we always joke saying it's an ultra because it's way more than a marathon. There's no end in sight, <laughs> you know, and that's that's a big perspective to point out to people that this was, you know, we're past we're past all those deadlines that the doctor said, like, Chris is at his peak and Chris, this is where he's going to be the rest of his life. He was year three and a half and made some of the most significant changes and improvements in his recovery, you know, going into his fourth year. And I think that's important for people to understand that no matter where you are in this journey of healing, don't give up because your greatest achievements could still come down the road or still come up that next peak when you go around, as you would say, because it's never over. It's never over at a year or two years or even five or six years. Like you can still continue to get better. Neuroplasticity still works. You have to put the effort in. Yeah, I think that's very true. And, you know, as recently as 20 years, 10 years, some places are still practicing. The doctors are saying, you have reached your summit and they're putting brick ceilings on these people for their recovery. However, with an understanding of neuroplasticity, it states that we all have billions of synaptic connections in our brain and we can turn them on and we can fire them to create alternative paths that achieve the same results as we had before and just keep going. And it used to be one year. You had one year of healing and now they know that you can heal for the rest of your life. However, having that resilience to just keep taking steps and keep doing those little, little, little attainable goals. And sometimes it feels so humiliating because the steps are so tiny. Yeah, if you just keep taking steps, then as I would say, you'll climb a great alternative peak. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. And I think Chris, Chris can talk about Maybe what that was like for him to kind of lose hope. I think it's very common, maybe for you too, people with brain injuries, that when you're going through and you can't do everything you could do before and you don't feel like you were the way you were before. Well, I'm so lucky to have so many great friends and Kim. Uh, you know, it gets hard still because I'm still not 100% recovered. But they're always there for me, and that includes my your family, Jamie, and your mom. And last weekend when we were here, I think your mom heard me telling Kim, talking to Kim about, uh, I don't know if my hand's ever going to get better. And 
all of a sudden she came up there and started working on it and she showed Kim and I how to do new things. And I think it's working a little bitter, better, but it's going to take a while and a long time. And she's taught Kim new ways to help me. So we're doing what your mom told us. And I haven't given up on my hand now. Maybe it'll work someday. Yeah, it's going to take a long time. I mean, you know, it's going to take a long time, I'm sure. And we're just going to keep working on it and see. Mama Mo Crazy is going to love to hear that. <laughs> Good. That's why we love your whole family. I mean, meeting them all this weekend taught us why we love you, Jamie, because you have your family who has raised you and made you the woman you are. And it's just, you know, they are Mo Crazy. Mo Crazy, Mo Wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. And as you mentioned, I'm coming back to keynote speak at your event, Shining the Light on Brain Injuries. Let's talk about that. Where is it going to be? It's at the Cades Ballroom, which is a historic ballroom. I forget what year it started, but it, you know, it's just an incredible venue. It's a concert hall volume. It was kind of a weekly dance type place when it first started for swing dance. But they have had pretty much any band that you love today. When they were first starting out, there's a really good chance they played there. And incredible history, incredible people. The guy who owns it is Doc Rock. That's what he calls himself. He's a neurosurgeon. So, you know, it has that too. And we've worked with them for years back when we started our uh, music festival called the Center of the Universe Festival. And we've had a long relationship with him. He's on our board of directors. And it's going to be at his place again. We had it, I think it's two years ago. It went great. Then COVID came. <laughs> now we're finally getting to have it back and have it with you, and it's going to be even better, and we couldn't be more excited. Yeah, Jamie, we couldn't be more excited that you're coming to Shining the Light on Brain Injuries at Kane's Ballroom. It'll be August 14th. You can get your tickets online at braininjuryrf.org, and it's going to be such a fun night. It's a dinner event, so an, a beautiful catered dinner there's a live auction, a silent auction, and then there's also live music as well. So it's a great just date night, fun night out. But then there's also going to be this amazing messaging from some other survivors. And then, of course, they'll get to hear your keynote speaking as well. So they're going to leave super motivated. And it's going to be an event that no one wants to miss out on. I'm just so I'm so excited about it. And. So what is the goal of this event? What do you hope is the outcome from it? Well, for me, it's raising awareness, for one, of the problems that people are having and how big the problem is of brain and spinal cord injuries. People don't realize, you know, I like to put it, and I'll put it there, because each table has eight people on it. There's a good chance that somebody at that table is going to have a brain injury sometime in their life. And nobody thinks about it or realizes it. And there's even people I know that I heard had one, but I didn't really understand what it was. And um, so, 
you know, that's part of the awareness, but it's learning about our foundation and how we are going to help people. Because the whole idea of this foundation is to provide similar programs and services that got me to where I'm at today to everybody else who's going through us so that they can once again have hope. So if someone's listening to this podcast and feels inspired to help people have miracles like you and I did because giving them the opportunities and they want to donate, where would they donate? They can go to braininjuryrf.org and they can either buy tickets for the festival or they can just donate. There's a donate button that you can use if you just want to donate money. Maybe you can't make it to Tulsa. Um, So those are the best ways. And Jamie, like you said, people need support. They need support for life. Sometimes, I mean... There's so much that insurance doesn't pay for. Um, and it's not just, oh, okay, they need to buy a brace to wear for one day or for a week. Like if you have a broken arm, you know what I mean? Like they need long-term physical therapy, speech therapy, occupational therapy, and the journey just keeps going on and on with them. And that's why people with brain injuries and their families need so much support, which is another reason why we started this foundation and are having our event because we know these families need so much more than they're even asking their friends and family members for. And we want to be able to be there and help provide all those services to them for the future to set them up for success so they can have these beautiful new lives. So who are some, let's hear some stories about some of the other survivors that you've worked with. So we have families, um, they come to us with all different needs. Um, perhaps maybe they need help with obtaining like a wheelchair ready vehicle, like a van to help transport somebody in, or maybe they just need respite, or maybe they need a shower chair. I mean, the list just really goes on and on. One of the families that we were just working with, um, they have a 16 year old that was on her way to work and she was hit by a truck on the way to work. She is um, about four years out. She's not able to take care of herself. She's not speaking. She's not moving her body with purpose or intention. And her family, they're giving her 24-7 care at home. And so they've had to basically remodel their home. Like no one's prepared for someone in a wheelchair. Most homes aren't like already adapted for that. So we helped um, remodel their entire bathroom so that way they could take her her chair into the shower and actually be, be able to give her a shower like they should because they were having to use just claws and things like that. And it's just the difference that it's made in this family's life has been night and day. I mean, they call us all the time. <laughs> they think us all the time. It gets me emotional thinking about it because it's, it's kind of those things that maybe we all just take for granted. Like, just the simple act of being able to like bathe your child properly and the ease it's given that family and just the comfort knowing that they have a way to take care of her has made all the difference in their life. And then them having hope and motivation to continue taking care of her as well. So we get a really broad range and that's the thing about us. Then we also, maybe we have somebody reach out to us that needs help getting transportation to a facility out of state. I mean, so we we work with that. So every case is 
I mean, we could go through them all, but like, there's just so many different types, just like every brain injury is so unique and different. So are the needs for each family. And so we just want to be here, whether it be kind of case management, helping them find the right resources, or if we can actively, you know, take food to them if they're here locally, if they're out of state, a lot of it's, you know, either sending something to them, helping them raise money, helping them get the, just the resources that they need. Yes, finding the resources can be so challenging. And it is a world that you quite often don't know anything about until you're thrust into it about brain injury. So we're getting close to the end of our time. I would like each of you to tell one more thought on what you'd like people to walk away from listening to this podcast knowing. Well, I mean, these people that we're helping are desperate for support. They truly are. I know that because I was. And this foundation is going to have the best return on investment. You can tell my business mind of anything because giving people hope and, and, you know, giving giving them hope and a positive attitude towards life is more than you can do for anything. And, you know, I hope you will learn more about brain and, and the spinal cord injuries and realize how many people are affected by this problem. And once you know that, you might want to go to our website and look up prevention because not everybody will do what they need to to prevent it, but you ought to at least know how. You ought to at least know that you should wear a motor or a, a helmet on a motorcycle. And then it's up to you. That's your problem then. But at least you'll know. And Kim, how about you? So I think it's important for people to know this event. So A, this is a large fundraising event for us. So it's going to help us raise funds to continue our existing programs and then to also help us to build, define our rehab in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The activity-based center that we're building, we will be the only one within 250 miles in any direction in this area. And that's huge. Families can't afford to go out of state to get this type of therapy. So it's vital that we continue to fundraise so we can build this center. And then also for our local community, it helps to bring awareness. Because as you said, most people don't know about brain injuries. They don't understand brain injuries, especially when it's something they can't see. So it's a dual purpose event to bring awareness. And then really our big goal is to build Define Neuro Rehab so that we can continue to help families even more than we already are. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show.